I'm not asking you to behave naturally. I'm not asking you to behave in a justified manner or even in a logical manner. I'm asking you to behave supernaturally. Supernaturally is the way we are asked to behave, to be submitted to God. See, revenge is easy to rationalize. It's very easy. You do something to me, I should be able to do something back. If you treat me that way, well, obviously you like to be treated that way because that's the way you treat all people. So I'm going to treat you that way in then all of a sudden we have this thing that happens. read a command from the Lord in the Bible that you just knew you couldn't obey in your own strength? Today, Pastor Mark will be challenging us to obey God's Word supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit that now lives within us. We don't battle against flesh and blood. Our warfare is against spiritual principalities and demons. Our only shot at living a victorious Christian life is by God's Spirit. In order to turn the other cheek and love those that persecute us, we need to be abiding in Jesus the Vine. The only way we can bear the fruit of the Spirit is by staying closely connected with Him. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 24 with today's edition of Come Alive. 1 Samuel chapter 24 is where we're at. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told to him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. And then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all of Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs, and David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart was tro- had troubled him, Because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and he went on his way. David also arose afterward, went out of the cave and called out to Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stopped with his face to the earth and bowed down. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks your harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you. But my eyes spared you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. God had a great purpose of blessing. He he had a great destiny for David. But at this point, he was being put through some, I guess you could say, crucible attesting to determine his fitness for what God had planned for him. And so when you really think about it, we're studying the life of each and every one of us in a sense. God's concern for us as Christians that each of us should come to know him and know 
that eternal life and to become heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So that is important that God wants us to know that. And so this is the great destiny that God basically has for us. And once we grasp that and truly realize this, we we can find real peace. Last week, it seemed as if David was going to, well, he was going to get caught. It was kind of a cliffhanger. And then all of a sudden, God had other plans. He steps in, he moves Saul away to go and fight the Philistines. And it is, as always, God's way to use each victory that we have in our lives um, that we've won by grace as a background for the next phase of testing at a deeper level. So you may think, wow, I just got through this thing, and now here's another, another thing, another trial, another temptation, something bigger than the last one. And so that's part of the making of a, a child of God, the next part of the making of you. And so if you remember, David and his men were in Getty hiding out there in those caves. Saul's called away, and then we see in verse 1, it says, Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines. So he returns. He comes back. He's not done yet. He's not done with David. David is on the forefront of his mind. Revenge is a dangerous thing. Revenge will always cause you to go back to a problem or to a situation. And so it says he was chasing the Philistines that it was told him saying, take note, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Remember, we said that David had uh, the Holy Spirit and that Saul basically, you know, had the grapevine. He had to listen through the grapevine. People had to tell him stuff. And then it says, and Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel. And so these were the best of the best. The best of his fighting men Saul takes from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he comes to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave. Saul went in to attend to his needs and David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. And so Saul has to go to the bathroom. He has to go potty. And it just so happens as he goes in there, he enters the cave and David and his men are in there. He has no idea that 600 guys are in the bathroom. And so it seems like a a thing that God's presenting the perfect opportunity for David to do something. And you think about that, you think, wow, man, here it is. And and when you read this, you're like, oh, yeah, now this is David's turn. This is David's opportunity. He's going to do it. And it starts to happen. David does. I mean, the temptation takes place. Look at verse 4. It says, Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. What? Bro, you got a knife in your hand? You're just going to cut a robe? So, again, it starts with temptation. The temptation to do what is normal, what is logical, and what's justified and also popular. Think about it. None of his men would have been like, oh, Dave, why'd you stab Saul in the back? Oh, Dave, why'd you cut his throat? They were the ones encouraging him to do so. And so for the last six chapters, most of us know that Saul has been trying to kill David. If you've been here with any length of time with us, we've been reading about how Saul is constantly after David trying to kill him. And so we see that Saul is presented to David. So the question would be, why not kill him? Why not just be rid of your enemy? I mean, David could say, well, why not kill him? I'm tired of running and I'm tired of hiding in caves. And, you know, like this is real fun. You know, I got to hang out in caves, these dark areas with 600 other guys. And, you know, we go to the bathroom in here too. And depending where we go and which way the wind blows through the cave, well, it's not the greatest place to hang out. And yet he could say and justify, I just want to relax. I just want to relax and have safety and security. 
And at first glance, we could logically conclude that it just might be God. How is it not then? How is it not God? Well, it happens to all of us. If we look at a situation in the natural or in the popular or in the justified or even in the logical, but you and I are Christians. We can't look at things in that manner. It may seem logical, it may seem popular or justified or even natural, but you and I are Christians. And though we may say and hear from well-meaning friends and even well-meaning Christian friends, the most logical thing basically is to kill your enemy. Just to kill your enemy. And God may say, I'm not asking you to behave naturally. I'm not asking you to behave in a justified manner or even in a logical manner. I'm asking you to behave supernaturally. Supernaturally is the way we are asked to behave, to be submitted to God. See, revenge is easy to rationalize. It's very easy. You do something to me, I should be able to do something back. If you treat me that way, well, obviously, you like to be treated that way because that's the way you treat all people. So I'm going to treat you that way. And then all of a sudden, we have this thing that happens. And, you know, revenge is easy, easy for me to rationalize, especially when I drive. I mean, my wife and my kids here all the time. Are you kidding me? Nobody will be saying anything. Or, oh, that must be the year they didn't put blinkers on that model of car. And so I'm constantly saying stuff like that. You might call it road rage. I call it road sarcasm. It's easy to rationalize revenge. That guy should have never cut me off. That guy's a jerk for cutting me off. But yeah, when I do it, hey, I'm in a hurry. I got to get someplace. Lord, help me get there. Oh, look, this guy's giving me a space. And you zip in and he's not saying you're number one. He's saying something else. And again, verse four, then the men of David said to the Lord, or said to David, the or This is the day which the Lord said to you. Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. So he has come into the can with his drawers dropped and his men are saying, dude, this is totally of the Lord. This is your turn. You're going to get him. Remember last week when we were talking about Saul's mistake was thinking that the Lord delivered the enemy into his hand, David being the enemy, saying, okay, cool. He's allowed this guy to go into this walled city, and we're just going to march in through the front gates. We got him. He can't get out any other way except through the front gates, and we're coming in that way. Well, David's men make the same mistake. It's easy to make those mistakes. And when all of a sudden we start to look at it, it's like, it looks like the Lord. Oh, Lord, you're blessing me. Thank you, God. So they saw this as the will of God. And this is a very common mistake among immature and superstitious believers to read God into things without checking scripture or their motives or getting counsel. I would say it's important to do all three. Have a scripture basis for why you're going to do something. Check your motives again and make sure it's not just a big desire or a big want. And then go get counsel. Get counsel. Maybe, hopefully, you have a friend, a Christian friend, That'll say, hey, bro, that's, that's the biggest bonehead idea I've ever heard. I mean, why would you do that? You know, some people, and, and, I, and I see this a lot, used to be in, in Calvary, Albuquerque all the time with some friends. They'd be driving down the street and a car would break down. And they'd be like, oh, it must be God's will for me to buy a new car. And yet, they have no money. Or you're a guy, you're looking for a wife, and the girl in the mall smiles at you. And you're like, that's the one. And hopefully you're single. When that happens. See, people misread things into situations that are not the will of God all the time. And, and, you know, here's the bummer deal. God gets the blame for a lot of stuff. He gets blamed for stuff he has nothing to do with. And yet, oh, it must be the Lord. And then when it doesn't happen, it's like, oh, man, 
God, why'd you let that happen? He could easily justify the action, David could, right? Easily justify the action, but he knew better. He wasn't like Pontius Pilate. Remember when he goes and he says, and all the people are saying, crucify him, crucify him, and Jesus, and he says, Jesus hasn't done anything. And when the people yell, crucify him, crucify him, the scriptures tell us the voices of the people and the chief priests prevailed. Do the voices around you prevail? Do you just hear those voices that say, yeah, go for it. It sounds like a godly thing. Oh, you know, may the Lord be with you. Be careful. Be careful. And so if it started with a temptation for revenge and it moved into a consideration of the social pressure, right? He's got some peer pressure. Then what does he do and how does he resist? And that's important for us to understand because that's where it comes into how we can apply this to our lives. Look at verse 5. It says, now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So Saul's going here, and, he, and he's using the restroom. David snips off some of his robe, goes back to his men, and tells them how horribly guilty he feels. Anybody ever been there? You do something, and you're just like, oh, man, I feel... I just feel so bad. Look at verse 7. It says, So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. So Saul walks out. Do you think they're thinking that he's a great leader at this point? I mean, think about it. You got 600 men hanging out with you, and they're telling you, All right, man, this guy's been chasing us. He's been trying to kill us. I mean, logically, in any kind of battle strategy, yeah, you want to get rid of your enemy quick. And this would be a great way. And you could say, well, he's, this is it. This is an answer from God. We're, we're going to be free men any second as long as David does what he's supposed to. And he comes back and he says, no, I didn't do it. So now his men could be like, he's gone insane. Let's go for it. But he says, no, don't do that. See this, he, he's a kind of, turn the tables a little bit. Instead of them trying to convince him, he's now telling them as a good leader that they, the way they ought to behave. Instead of them trying to convince him and push him into some type of peer pressure, he's saying, no, 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 no. this is why we're not going to do this and I am going to convince you as to why not. This is how you ought to behave. And so we as Christians, how can we, how, how do we do that? Well, when somebody starts to tell you and push you and you go and you check it out the right way with scripture, motives, and counsel, uh, then you can come back and when they're like, hey, you know, why didn't you go for that promotion? Why didn't you go and take that dude out from trying to steal your job or whatever it may be? Why, why didn't you do it? And then you go back and you show them and you teach them. You, we're Christians. We're the ones called to be leaders, not the other way around, not the world leading us. And I think a lot of times that happens. So this shows something of his character. David and his conscience is sensitive towards those little things, those little things, those things that are often overlooked. Oh, we often just kind of shrug them off as little things because they're too little. And man, I'm the guy that's got to pay attention to the big things there's more to life than just this most people might say so what can he buy and he you know why big deal Saul could buy a new robe he's the king it's just a little corner but David was sensitive to that thing David recognized Saul as the Lord's anointed and he's as sensitive to these little sins and he confesses it to his men here's the thing what happens to us as Christians we get desensitized 
It's easy to get desensitized towards little things, those little white lies, those small thefts. And I mean small thefts like, you know, you work for some bank and they buy pens and you wind up at home and you're like, man, how did I get 200 blue pens? Or you just think, well, they got enough money, they can afford it. Or maybe you need some manila folders at home for your own filing system and you happen to see a stack and you're like, oh, I'll just take them. Well, my boss said it was okay. Well, are you sure? Well, I'm not feeling real well. I don't want to come in today. And you know what? It's just because you had a rough night's sleep. You feel okay. You're just a little sleepy. You're a little tired. Or the little white lie of, well, you know what? It's a little white lie. It's okay. But yet it's still a lie. And so David says, you know, I'm sensitive to those things. I'm, I'm not desensitized towards those little things. And so what happens is when you become desensitized to those little things, well, eventually it'll cause you to become desensitized towards the bigger things later, the bigger things that can take place. And hand in hand with a godly heart is a sensitive conscience. You know, we need to have that, a sensitive conscience. If you don't have one, pray that God give you one. Pray that God give you a sensitive conscience, like when you drive by someone on the side of the road and you see them standing there like they have no idea what to do and you might be able to pull over and help them. Now, some of us might be like, well, it could be any kind of freak on the side of the road. Well, it could be. It could be. But, you know, that might be where you, you do something kind. If you got AAA and you're like, hey, I got AAA, or you tell them, hey, just stay right there. I'll call somebody for help. Or is there somebody I can call? I mean, pretty much all of us have cell phones these days, and most people that are stranded on the side of the road can call someone. But every now and then there's that one person that you see. I saw a guy the other day, and, and I was driving with one of my guys, and he was carrying a gas can. And I said, dude, let's pull over and help him. He goes, what, do you want to take him to the gas station? And I looked in the back of the truck, and we have two big gas cans. I go, we are the gas station. And we just got stopped, and I said, hey, man, can I give you a gallon of gas? He was like, yeah, that'd help. You want some money for it? I said, no, man, it's just a gallon of gas. So we gave him some gas. And he was just like standing there, and he goes, man, he goes, I I stood by my car for a long time trying to wave somebody down. Somebody stopped and gave me a gas can. And he goes, so he told me where the gas station was. And I started walking. He goes, now you stop and you give me gas. I go, awesome. I go, maybe when you get in your car and you start to drive and it doesn't start, somebody will stop and give you a car. I don't know. But I, you know, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, so do you believe in God? And he said, yeah. And I was like, man, these are pretty crazy acts of God. You should praise him. And we had to go and we left. I mean, but it was just, it was just kind of fun to do that. And you just kind of walk away going, man, that was nice. If that was me, I'd sure want somebody to do that for me. But beware of an oversensitive conscience, right? You got to beware of the oversensitive conscience. They, the person that feels guilty about everything. Uh, they're people pleasers. They got these unrealistic expectations and they're insecure in their positions. And then there are those that don't have that problem. They don't feel any guilt when they should. They're a little too hard. And so there's a good balance that we need to have. And I think David had a great balance. He could have killed Saul. If he wanted to, if he had to. We saw him do it with Goliath, right? He didn't even hesitate. Didn't even blink an eye. He he didn't even use the weapons of modern warfare. He used the weapons of a shepherd to protect sheep against a man who was suited up. And here he's got a man that's not suited up. And yet he's sensitive to the little things that it's his king. It's the Lord's anointed. Salt belonged to God. And so David considered God's word before he gave in to the social pressure. And so this is what makes David a man after God's own heart. He does what God does. He gives his enemies a second chance. Are you like that? You have an enemy, somebody 
says something mean to you at work, somebody does something to you and you don't give them a second chance, you're just ready to crucify them, crucify them. What are you like? See, he's, he's turn, tuned into the will of God. David is tuned into God's will, and that's having a healthy sense of right and wrong. Who Saul was didn't affect who David was, right? Saul was a guy after David for revenge for whatever reason, but that didn't affect the way David acts or behaves. And so it shouldn't affect the way we live our lives either, the way somebody treats you. If they say mean things to you, you shouldn't say mean things back. We teach that to our kids, right? Hey, just because somebody says something mean to you, you don't have to say mean things back. But if you're dealing with someone who's harsh towards you, you know, and they're out to get you, angry towards you, what we need to keep in mind is restoration. We need to keep restoration in mind all the time. And so if, if he would have killed Saul, what, what would this have shown his men? What, what would David as a leader have shown his men if he would have killed Saul? That whenever you have an enemy, rather than ne- negotiate and reconcile, let's just kill him. Let's just get rid of him. We kind of see this taking place in the news today. Somebody made fun of somebody, and now we just start killing people. Because, well, they represent and, and that's how racism starts. And that's how horrible things start. So if he would have killed Saul, his men would have been like, cool, we can just kill anyone who comes after us instead of trying to negotiate and reconcile and restore the situation. Look at verse 8. David also arose afterward. He went out of the cave and he called out to Saul saying, my Lord, the king. This is an amazing thing that David does this. And the way he does it is even more amazing And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped down with his face to the earth and bowed down. Now, some people might say, well, David's a coward. But you got to be an awfully brave person to stand in front of your enemy with your face bowed down to the ground. While there's 3,000 trained men that could have killed him. So he bows down. He shows that he's vulnerable. He bows down to show respect. He showed respect because why? Well, because he loved Saul. He loved Saul. You and I are called to love our enemies, right? We know that, but do we do it? Well, we don't have to like them, but we're called to demonstrate the love of Christ to them. I said that to somebody. I said, you don't have to like everybody, but you have to love everyone. They're like, well, how do you love and not like at the same time? Liking means I hang out with you, that I enjoy being around you. I don't have to enjoy being around you to have the love of Christ, to, to want only the best for you. See, he's not, David's not acting on his feelings but on his will. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new additions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, 
We'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.